The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Barron's Live, our daily webcast and podcast. I'm Alex Ewell, Deputy Editor of Barron's. Thanks for joining us today for another update on tech stocks. We're right in the middle of another tech earnings season, so there's lots to talk about today. Plus, tech stocks are suddenly showing some strength. How long will it last? That's going to be a big topic for us today. Uh, and I'm joined by my colleague, Eric Savitz, Barron's associate editor who covers tech for us from Silicon Valley. Hey, Eric. Hey, Alex. Uh, thanks for joining us. So, you know, don't look now, but the NASDAQ is up 9% this year. Tell me that this is the start of a new long bull market. Oh, I wish I could tell you that. I mean, look, I, I think there's there's a couple of factors here. Uh, w- one thing is, first of all, we've seen a lot of these moves. So if you look over the last year, um, I meant to count. I'm not sure how many, but we've seen a, there were a whole series of like 8, 10, 12% moves by the market um, over the course of last year's, you know, what was generally a debacle for stocks. And if you go into almost, if you look at almost any bear market, there are always these like short, sharp bear market rallies that, it, you know, it happens and it, it happens every time there's a big downturn in the market. So the question is whether something more fundamental is happening here. Now, I would say that one thing that's a little different this time is there's this perception on the street, um, which is reasonable, I think, that the Fed is closer to the end of its tightening cycle than the beginning. So like if, right. if, we, if we were having this conversation a year ago, we were facing you know, a long series of Fed interest rate hikes. And that is, in fact, what happened. And that was bad for, you know, stocks generally and for tech in particular. Now the Fed is, you know, a few up, up uh, a few increases away from being finished. At least that's the conventional wisdom. And that shifts the conversation around tech uh, more to earnings and, uh, you know, the potential for a recession. Yeah. Um, so the equation is a little bit different. And I would say maybe a little more favorable than it was last year. Um, I wouldn't say that's a reason to be wildly bullish, but I, it, it, it is true that uh, it's probably a little bit better equation than it was a year ago. Okay. All right. Well, so there's some positivity there. I, I actually, so let's talk about the Fed and tech for a minute. I, I think a nice way to think about it, where we are in this sort of cycle might be to compare the Fed to earnings in terms of importance. So next week is a huge week for tech because we get four of the five big tech companies reporting. We can talk a little bit more about those and we'll talk more about those in specifics. We also get the Fed's next, um, FOMC's next rate setting meeting Tuesday, Wednesday, I believe, uh, with Powell giving his speech on Wednesday uh, after that decision. What do you think actually right now is going to be more important for how tech stocks do next week? This Fed meeting or earnings from Alphabet, Amazon, Meta, and Apple? Yeah, so good question. I mean, they both they both matter, but I, I think from a big picture point of view, um, it, the messaging from the Fed is, is going to carry more weight. I mean, that was true all through 2022. Yeah. 
um, it will remain true uh, for some time to come. Now, it's conceivable that he'll, you know, that Powell will sound a little less hawkish. If that was true, the market would have a big rally. If he just confirms, you know, we're staying the course, we're not done yet, we have a long way to go, or whatever he puts it, um, that would be bearish for stocks, particularly given the, you know, the strong rally um, to start the year, as we were talking about. So now I think on on on, on tech earnings, um, uh, you know, we will get into some of the details, but I, I think it's really going to be a company by company story. Uh, we've seen that already with the names that, we, you know, some of the names that we've seen so far with Netflix and Microsoft and IBM yeah. and a few others. They're yeah. more company specific stories than they are so far at okay. uh, redefining the market. So, OK, yeah. So let's get to that. But let's stick. I want to stick with macro just a little bit sure. longer. Um, so one of the things a couple of us were going back over some historical data for the NASDAQ. And so we mentioned um, that it's up 9% so far this year. That's a big move. Of course, stocks tend to do well in January. So maybe you discount that to some degree. Um, but basically, it's. I, I thought it was interesting that in 2001, which people remember was in the middle of the kind of dot-com collapse, the yep. NASDAQ was actually up 12.2%. Right. So you might have felt pretty good about the Nasdaq in 2001 after the bubble burst in 2000. OK, here we're coming back. But then it proceeded to fall 40 percent or 34 percent over the next two months and actually still made a new bottom, uh, I believe, in 2002. So right. if we see a similar pattern playing out here, I guess the question is, do you see a similar pat pattern playing out here? And, and um, is this sort of just the middle of the of the uh, the long down uh, bear market for tech, right? Well, I think there's a couple things you have to keep in mind. Like one thing that was true in uh, during the bubble period in, in 2001 is you began to see um, a lot of companies that had come public kind of prematurely, right? Um, you know, companies that came public with that were like literally, um, you know, pre revenue, right? Yeah. Like a lot of they had an idea, but they didn't have much of anything else. A lot of those kinds of companies, I, I always say that those companies were coming public, uh, basically coming public at like a series A venture capital round, but the money was being raised in the public market. So you had like very risky kind yeah, of yeah, right think about it. public and a lot of them blew up. Right. And 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 one thing that we had in that time period that we, we really haven't seen so far is uh, is many corporate failures. I mean, so many companies went bankrupt in that time period. Um, and uh, including, by the way, I, work, I was working at that time period for a magazine called The Industry Standard that, in fact, went bankrupt in 2001. Um, so I remember the period well. And in, in our case, we were, you know, Internet Magazine uh, and all of our advertisers were like Internet like marketing businesses, internet infrastructure businesses, and literally all of our advertisers went bankrupt in one right. year. So like we haven't seen anything like that. And I don't think we're going to see anything quite that severe, but I, it is worth noting that for all the talk of recession, we haven't had one yet. So, um, you know, like if we actually get a recession of any severity um, in, in, in 23, um, that's going to impact uh, businesses big and small. And, you know, so there's still some risk um, that we really doesn't even, we haven't even felt the worst of the. Uh, well, you know, yeah, I think that's a really important point. And, you know, you get this very 
fairly strong GDP report today, right? And in some ways that's good news, I think, or it is good news, but it also makes you wonder, like you're saying, well, if you still believe kind of what the bond market has been saying that we're eventually gonna get a recession, is this just pushing off the inevitable, which means the pain is gonna come later rather than sooner? Um, I guess that's the- Yeah, and then, and then you get into this, uh, this sort of debate about what it, uh, trying to read the tea leaves on how the Fed will respond to that. Yeah, as you right. say, they they were going to get some uh, some new um, push from them next week, and right. if they see that, like in effect, uh, you know, we're not slowing the economy down really. Yeah, um, sure. that could mean that they push harder and you know move rates higher. Yes. And good news, we need bad news again. Um, what do you make then? Just when we talked about companies going kind of bankrupt in the in the bubble but what have you what have you made about all these layoffs that we've been seeing right it's been something that everyone's been talking about everyone's been seeing over a month now two months i mean is this kind of a are are tech companies just doing this because other tech companies are doing it and it's sort of just feeding on itself are they all in as bad a shape as as these layoffs would make it seem or are these layoffs really not that big because they're only five percent of the workforce like how how should investors think about this i guess and then what do you think just kind of tech fans more generally. Yes. So I I think there's a few things that work here. One is that um, quite a few companies um, overexpanded during the pandemic. Uh, The most uh, obvious example of this is Amazon, where they like dramatically built out their logistics network and and overshot. And, you know, and, and they've been dealing with that for multiple quarters now. And, you know, then you've seen, a series of other companies where they're they're reducing costs in in a, in effect to respond to economic conditions and and also uh, you know getting pressure from Wall Street to reduce uh, to reduce costs and be a little more sensitive to um, uh, to to their uh, uh, economic futures and so you know we we, saw, we got a great example. Yeah. Great example of this was Meta last quarter, right? So, like, you look at if you remember back last quarter, Meta had an absolutely disastrous quarter. They their stock was down twenty five percent, roughly. I don't know the exact number, but basically, it was down like twenty five percent on the earnings report. And the issue was not the numbers themselves. The issue was that they were d- going to dramatically uh, spend more money on the metaverse and on other infrastructure. Than the street had anticipated, and the market freaked out, and stock sold off. A few weeks later, Meta announces a big round of layoffs. Um, so I think that this is in part the company companies being responsive to not just the fact that they overexpanded, but the fact that the street kind of likes when you do that, right? Like yeah. the street likes to, you to cut costs, and we've seen this from a whole series of companies. A good example would be a company like Wayfair. Uh, which I, is up like 66% year to date, and which last year was a disaster. You know, they, of course, are the uh, uh, online seller of home goods, furniture, and such. And um, and they've announced a big round of job cuts, and it shows like a sense of like, you know, you're like putting on your big boy pants and, and trying to be responsible. Um, and so, you know, we're seeing this from a lot of companies. In some cases, it's companies trimming people that are you know, like maybe lesser performers. It's, it's kind of an excuse. Yeah, right. To be more efficient. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think that this, by the way, like if you're a talented engineer, I don't think you're going to have any trouble getting a job. Let's hope. Um, yeah. you know. Okay. So, 
All right. Well, you, you mentioned the overexpanding and the pandemic. And the one more big question I kind of wanted to get to was, um, you know, we spent and I, I certainly um, thought that much of what we saw during the pandemic was a shift in long term habits. And I think we spent the last year learning that a lot of what changed in the pandemic really was temporary. Right. It wasn't permanent. So many trends have kind of reversed. And, and I wonder to what extent do you think at, at this point tech investors need to say to themselves, OK, you know, we need to almost forget this entire period, this three year period at this point um, of, of growth, of gains and every, you know, and, and go back to, you know, how, however you thought about tech in 2019 pre-pandemic is really how you should think about tech today. Yeah, I think that is true in many areas. Um, it, it the, you know, the sort of the the textbook case here is personal computers where we saw, um, you know, going Going into the pandemic, the PC market was flat down. There, there was no growth at all. And then we had this boom uh, where everyone was at home. Everyone needed a new laptop or, you know, you were home with your kids and you needed more computers just to be able to function. And so we saw like, you know, 40, 50, 60 percent year over year growth in PC demand. That's all completely reversed. Right. You know, PC demand is like collapsing. And it's not like, oh, people don't need PCs anymore. It's. No, they of course they need PCs, but they they already have them. They they just bought a new one like two or three years ago, and the, right. the useful life of the PC is longer than that. And so um, we're you know we're kind of back to you know unit volumes that are kind of like what we were at before the pandemic. So that's right. the textbook case. I and, think and the, e-commerce e-commerce would be another example, wouldn't it? At least you know it's not. Yeah. So I think it, I think it, I think there's a subtle difference in the case of e-commerce, which is I think that um, yeah we sort of like we we certainly. Uh, pulled forward the growth of e-commerce, like you know, we 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 accelerated the adoption of e-commerce. I I think there's a little of that has been given back as people like return to stores, you know, actually right. like go to Safeway or you know, Costco or wherever uh, periodically. Um, but I do think that in that case, some of that behavior is at least a little bit sticky. Like I I don't think it's like we're going to completely reverse course. I think you know, e-commerce continues to take market share from offline commerce, uh, but not at the same rate. Um, and then, of course, that's complicated at the moment by like softer uh, consumer spending trends. Yeah. OK. All right. Well, I'll just point out just for everyone's kind of context, you know, depending on what you believe about this theory, um, the Nasdaq is still up. 17% from its February 22 high. I'm sorry, from its February 2020 high. So um, despite all the pain for Na the NASDAQ last year, we are still well above our pre-pandemic levels. So, you know, keep those two conversations, that, that data point and the conversation about the pandemic reset in mind, because it maybe is somewhat informative for where, for where tech should go. Yeah, well, it's like I like to say, stocks are, just because stocks are cheaper doesn't mean stocks are cheap. Right. So, you know, uh, we've, yeah, we've given some back, but like if you have a longer term view, yeah. to your point, you're still sitting on nice gains. Yeah. OK, well, uh, this is a good time to remind folks, please uh, ask questions in the chat um, and we will try to get to them uh, during the call. Um, so, Eric, let's like kind of shift a little bit. We've had a we're in the middle of tech earnings season, as we mentioned, um, a little bit different this uh, this quarter. Usually we get all the big tech earnings in one week. Um, they're sort of being nice to us this year, this quarter, and that Microsoft already reported, and then we get a break. And uh, as we said, Amazon, Apple, Alphabet all report next 
Thursday in one day and Meta reports on Wednesday. So we pretty much still have all the big tech earnings to come. So maybe we should talk through those. You want to tell us a little bit more about what happened with Microsoft first? Sure. Let's. So, yeah. So in, in Microsoft's case, um, you know, the numbers were OK for the December quarter. Um, you know, there was uh, no surprise. There was real weakness in their PC related business. And they still have a big business there in, you know, in in Windows. And, you know, of course, they make uh, Surface PCs and there are a bunch of other things that are PC related. And, you know, that business was kind of terrible. And like everyone knew it was going to be terrible. No surprises there. Their, uh, their cloud business, which you know, includes Azure uh, and a few other moving parts, actually was a little better than expected um, in the quarter. And um, as you will recall, Alex, when the numbers initially were reported, the stock actually rallied about 5%. Um, and then they did the call. And on the call, you know, Microsoft's habit is to provide guidance on the call. Um, on the call, they said some disappointing things. Um, most notably, they provided guidance for Azure, uh, for growth at Azure. They don't report dollar numbers for Azure, by the way, but they reported growth uh, expectations for Azure that were quite a bit below what the street had been looking for for the March quarter. Um, so they said that uh, Azure... So, by the way, because these are still big growth numbers. Yeah, still big growth numbers. It's not like the... It, it's, it's all things are relative, right? Like the street had been expecting that in the March quarter... Uh, that Azure would grow in the 33, 34% range. And uh, the way that they, they the, the guidance is a little fuzzy, but basically it implied about 30% growth instead. So that's like a, you know, that's this considerable miss, three or four percentage points, less growth than anticipated. And, um, and you know, the market didn't like that very much. And they said a few other things. Their, their bookings numbers were a little disappointing. They had, um, you know, they have an advertising business. People forget that Microsoft has an advertising business, both from LinkedIn and from Bing. And they said the advertising business was softer in the December quarter than they had anticipated. So there were a bunch of things that were just not, not great. Um, the Azure number was the key and the stocks initially sold off on that. But I will say that one thing that happened is that the, the analysts on the street kind of pushed back and basically said, Look, this is a short-term phenomenon. This is just about, um, you know, this is this is about short-term economic uh, fluctuations and long-term. You know, Azure's still got a fantastic growth story ahead. Yeah, and, and the stock um, is flat. That's it. They are almost. Yeah, and the stock was kind of flat as it turned out. So okay. Um, so I think so. Now I will say that the commentary from Microsoft of course, sets the stage for uh, some of what we'll hear next week, right? So in particular from Amazon, or if you want to move on to Amazon. Yeah, sure. Here. So Amazon and Google, of, of, of Amazon and Alphabet are the two with sort of the big cloud businesses at this point among the rest. Right. So Amazon is by far the largest. Amazon Web Services is the largest player, even bigger than Azure. Uh, they, Amazon reports results next week. And, you know, there's there's two big moving parts in their case. Like one is, of course, is, is, is AWS and the other is e-commerce. Um, you know, the e-commerce part has really been troubled for the last few quarters. And for all the reasons we've talked about, like it's just the consumers slowed down. Um, they overexpanded. It's, it's been a problem right now. It, it, I think, again, this is sort of a short term problem where they had to fix they have to fix their cost structure and they you know they they have to cope with like a softer 
environment. But I, you know, the the what we heard from Microsoft would suggest uh, AWS is uh, could d- disappoint um, in the quarter. We'll see if that happens. But again, these are generally short term issues for them. Um, and, um, unless they're truly disastrous, um, I suspect that the stock will hang in and remember it, uh, Amazon had, um, Amazon was a terrible stock last year. I mean, right. Amazon, um, uh, was down about 50% last year. Uh, it's, um, uh, it's, it's done, you know, it's up like 17% this year. So it's had a little bit, you know, along the, the rally in the market, but, um, you know, the stock is way, way down from its peaks. Um, it's I, interesting, by the way, that big tech, among like the snapback that we've seen so far this year, big tech has not really had the snapback yet. Now, maybe that's a healthy thing, right? So while you've had names, like you mentioned, Wayfair is up 60% for the year. Peloton's up almost 50%. Lyft's up 40%. All of those are kind of the smaller, more volatile names. Big tech has not yet seen this big snapback. Uh, yeah, I mean, a few of them have. I mean, uh, you know, Microsoft has really done nothing. It's up yeah. a couple of percent. Apple's up about 10%. Um, Meta's up 20 and Google's up about 10. Um, NVIDIA's up 33%. Yes, NVIDIA's um, the best of the big performer. Um, yeah, so there have been there have been some that have done better. But uh, yeah, they haven't led the way, uh, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, which is interesting, I think. It just does a... Because, um, Often these big tech names during during the real go go times were, were almost trading more like small caps, you know, fifty right. percent gains and right. Apple right. had those yeah. kind of crazy moves. Hey, so so coming back to the cloud for a second, Alex, um, you know, you mentioned uh, Google Cloud, of course, is the other they're, they're like kind of the number three player here. Um, you know, Google Cloud is like on a relative basis less important to Alphabet than you know than than Azure is to Microsoft or AWS is to Amazon. Google's business is largely driven by advertising, search advertising, advertising on YouTube. Yeah. Those are the major uh, elements of the Google story. And the advertising environment is not really very good. And, and you know, again, like Microsoft said that they had disappointing, uh, disappointing results in the, in the recent quarter from their ad business. That is a, a little bit of a canary in the coal mine that like might, be a factor uh, for uh, for both Google and for, uh, or Alphabet, I should say, and and for Meta, and and by the way, and for Amazon, which also has a substantial advertising business. Yeah, definitely a theme to watch. Um, all right, I wanted to ask. Actually, I wanted to spend some time on Alphabet because if I'm Alphabet management right now, I am maybe dreading this. You know, as they're preparing this conference call script and the press release for next week, I am really kind of working overtime to figure some things out because. I, I think Alphabet maybe is having is going through probably one of its toughest times, you know, ever because you have all these different things going on. One, they have what now two active DOJ lawsuits, a new one last week that they're dealing with trying to essentially essentially break up the ad their ad business. You also have this potentially existential threat that everyone is kind of focused on uh, around Chat GPT and what that could do to Google search business. Um, and then, as you mentioned, you have advertising kind of really in a soft place. How um, how much trouble do you think Alphabet is in right now? And, and how much will we learn next week about those three those three things? Yeah. So um, 
I'm not sure how much we'll learn. Uh, so, I, well, so on, on the litigation side, as you mentioned, uh, they were sued this week for a second time. Yeah. Um, uh, the first lawsuit, which was the, which was filed like three years ago and was focused on uh, uh, allegations that Google's dom like uh, dominates in search, which they do. But, you know, the allegations that they do it in a you know, antitrust law violating way that yeah. that litigation, that case will finally go to trial in September. Um, it, it has an interesting uh, there's an interesting element to that, which is if that if the government wins, it could result in a kind of breakup of of the, the longstanding uh, relationship between Google and Apple, where you know Google is the primary search provider to Apple. Um, Apple pays uh, Apple receives large amounts of um, uh, money. Um, in that relationship, and Google gets back a large amount of search traffic, um, but we will, but that that won't unfold unfold to the fall. And by the way, depending on whatever happens, you can presume that it, you know, if, if Google loses, that they'll appeal, and so this sure. drag on for years more. And the new lawsuit is focused on their domination of advertising. That one is years away from you know hitting a courtroom. Uh, you know, it could be the end of the decade before it finally gets resolved. But you know there are there are some serious allegations there about their dominance of advertising, and there is some suspicion on the street that it could eventually result in them having to spin off parts of their advertising business. We'll see. I mean, it, this goes back to their acquisition of DoubleClick, which was in two thousand eight. So, like the, the the government wants to undo that deal. Like there there's a lot at stake, but it's going to take a long time, and we're not going to hear anything on the call about that. That's material on on Chat GPT. Um, you know, there have been a lot of like, you know, kind of a uh, conventional wisdom buzz that like, oh, this is the real threat to um, to Google search. And, you know, there was a story in The New York Times about, uh, you know, uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page, who've not really been very involved in an active way in the business in recent years, are, were, you know, seen in headquarters. Reengaging. I'm sorry. They're re-engaging. They're re-engaging. Yes. Um, so yeah. Now, on the other hand, you know, they, they've been investing in AI for a really long time. They own this company called DeepMind, uh, which is an AI business that they bought in, I think, 2014. Like they're deep into it. They just haven't done a public manifestation of it in the way that, like, uh, you know, ChatGPT right. uh, from OpenAI has. And of course, you know, it, it's it's compounded by the fact that Microsoft has has been investing in open AI and uh, reportedly is going to invest another $10 billion in open AI. And, you know, Microsoft intends to uh, incorporate that technology in search and in Azure and various other places. So it is a challenge. I'm not sure that we'll learn too much uh, from the call about that. Um, uh, but we'll, uh, um, We'll see. And and then, um, you know, I, I think uh, where we what we what they will provide some guidance on. Right. Is um, is on the, the advertising environment. Um, and, you know, I think those are that's one of these cyclical situations that um, uh, uh, will take some time to play out. I mean, I don't I don't it's not like people are going to stop advertising um, uh, or stop advertising online. Um, and digital advertising is very powerful. Uh, so we'll get some insights on that for sure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I want to take a few questions. Um, 
Steve asks, um, Eric, you mentioned that we haven't hit bottom yet, um, or that was sort of our view, I think, together. But he asks, what are you looking for as a signal that we may be getting close? Not looking for an exact bottom, but just a sign that we may be getting close. Any, any thoughts there? Um, well, again, I think there are multiple elements to this. Part of it is going to be about what the Fed has to say. I mean, if the Fed starts, you know, giving bigger hints that it's almost done, um, that will be a, you know, bell in the night kind of signal. Right. Sure. Um, and, and I think it is it, it will be interesting to see, like, how the market reacts to some of these earnings earnings reports, as we were saying in Microsoft's case. You know, if, if if some of the things that they said had happened six months ago, um, you would have probably seen a more uh, significant reaction. So I, I think there's a uh, there, there's a there's kind of a, uh, a sentiment, signs of sentiment improving yes, I agree. on the market at least for now. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. Right? So it's like, how do so you know, like I think, like like let's say for example, uh, let, we didn't have we talked about Apple at all, but Apple's going to report earnings next week. Um, expectations are that the numbers on iPhone uh, sales in particular will be not very good. You know, they had this problem with uh, production um, and a few other issues. Um, uh in recent months but if the market kind of shrugs it off um that would be a sign that uh, maybe we're set up for a more durable bottom here yeah no i think that's a really good uh, a really good point that the reaction the reaction to the numbers is going to be maybe as telling as the numbers themselves and i mean that's maybe often the case but particularly uh to see how the market deals with either disappointment or uh or uh, upside surprise will be very telling in terms of sentiment. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, we have another question, a good one from Hal, who, uh, who asks, are the tech layoffs really due to overexpansion or to an artificially Fed-induced slowdown in demand? Um, I think that gets to kind of bigger questions about the root cause and, the, and the, what, what the market is really worried about right now. But any, any thoughts there, kind of Fed versus uh, secular trends? Um, you know, I'm not sure that I would blame all of that on the Fed. I mean, I, I think if you think about, like, for example, what's happened at Amazon, um, you know, they they expanded in, in uh, anticipation that trends that we saw during the pandemic uh, would. Um, Sorry, somebody just walked into my house. Um, so, uh, so. so that's so weird. Anyway, um, I, I think that um, it's, it's uh, you know, is the Fed show is artificially slowing down demand when you talk about PCs or smartphones or I don't really think that's the situation. Okay. And I think, I, so I, I think, you know, it, it's pretty clear that they <laughs> that the tech companies over. Okay. All right. Here's, here's one more uh, question. And then I think uh, this, this will have to be it for today. Um, there was a report this morning from the Wall Street Journal uh, that said Stripe, which is this massive fintech player, um, is finally ready to decide on whether it's going to go public in the next year or if, you know, short of that, finding a way to provide liquidity to all their employees who have been waiting, um, you know, to pretty much uh, monetize their options uh, and their holdings. What what does that say about the IPO market? They, they, they're not saying necessarily they're going to go public in a year, but, they, but they're going to make the decision within the year. So presumably they'd like to go public, but I, they must not feel quite confident enough about saying that. What, 
what do, what do you think that tells us about the IPO market, which of course has been almost completely shut down? Right. Well, at the moment, there isn't any IPO market. I mean, yeah. especially for technology stocks, there just isn't one. Um, the only one last year of any consequence was the uh, the Intel uh, a, a sale of their Mobileye business. But other than that, there really wasn't anything. And, um, you know, so I, I think the question, maybe this would be a big sign that the market behavior is getting better, would be if you start to see a few IPOs. Now, I think, you know, there's some, there's some, problems, right? One of the problems is that valuations in the private market, uh, mirroring what happened in the public market, got completely out of hand, right? So um, I I've wrote a column a few weeks ago, basically talking about how uh, secondary market transactions in, in private stock and venture-backed companies. So, you know, you can trade, uh, it's a much more limited market, but you can trade your investments in venture-backed companies um, uh, through a, a bunch of different platforms. And those transactions are happening at like 50% of the last round. Like, yeah. right? That's like we did a round at a billion dollars and we're selling stock, you know, at a valuation of $500 million. Yeah. So that's a problem, right? Because if, if you're trying to do an IPO in that environment, like all of your late stage investors, which is like a lot of your like capital, um, bought in at higher prices. So, yeah. I think it's going to be hard to do venture back deals in the current environment. And, um, you know, it, it will, honestly, it's going to depend a lot on whether they really need the money. But right. if you need the money, then the valuation is less relevant. But if you can raise capital from other sources, and I'd note, by the way, that the venture capital industry has like record high, they call that dry powder. There's like hundreds of billions of dollars sitting on the sidelines. Um, and then, by the way, the other element of this is uh, you might be able to find some capital from other sources, from uh, from private equity funds that are, you know, they're hunting for deals and um, even from uh, uh, strategic investors. So, yeah, you just had a very interesting Q&A or, or column I, I would suggest folks read on uh, Orlando Bravo at, at, at Tomo Bravo and what they're looking for with all of uh, to buy with all of their cash right now. So, yeah, I mean, I think one thing to keep in mind about Tomo Bravo is that they they uh, they just raised the largest single uh, pool of private equity capital targeted at the tech industry ever. Um, yeah. They raised like more than 30 billion dollars uh, just a, a, really just a few weeks ago. And. Um, and when I asked uh, uh, asked them about what where 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 we are and you know the opportunity that's been created by the sharp sell off in the market, and he basically said uh, we have many 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 times more. I think he said five minis uh, more uh, more opportunity than we can uh, than we can tackle. And uh, they've been the buyer of last resort. And you know I, I think that um, there's going to be more of that. And you know they. They have the ability. One thing that's interesting about what they can do that you can't easily do in the in the public market is they can fix things, right? So their view is we take companies that are you know barely profitable and we create companies with forty percent operating margins. And, yeah, uh, we can do that because you know frankly they cut costs, they 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 shed assets, they uh, they bring some rigor, um, and then. At some point down the road, those those businesses might make their way into the public market, but um, that takes longer. That makes sense. All right. Well, um, Eric, thank you so much. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks everyone for being here. Uh, and we hope you we hope you'll join us again tomorrow when our new colleagues at Energy Research Firm Opus will be discussing where oil and gasoline prices are likely headed in 2023. 
Thanks for listening again. Stay well and have a good day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.